Luke chapter 8, verse 4, is where we're going to be in the Word today as we going to take four Sundays to look at the parable of the sower. When a large crowd was coming together and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So some things uh, you read can be difficult to understand. Sometimes you can look at the same statement and get two very different interpretations of the same statement, right? For example, here's a headline uh, I thought it was interesting. Volunteers needed to help torture survivors. <laughs> you could take that uh, one of a couple of different ways, you know. Here's a sign at a gas station. <laughs> Kids with gas eat free. Could be a little ambiguous there, right? Now, the parables of our Lord, they, they too are not always the easiest to understand. There's often a diversity of opinion among Bible lovers as to what these happen to mean, but not so much in the case of this particular parable that we're looking at today, because this is great. Jesus tells us precisely what this parable means. He interprets it for us. So here is his explanation. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. What a fantastic parable this is. I, I love all of Scripture, of course. It's all God's word. But there are parts that I must admit are my favorites, and this is one of them because it is so clear. It is like a pure spring. It is brilliant, and of course, it is accurate. Our Lord here describes with amazing precision exactly what we see happening in the church and in the world, even in our day. Now, I guess I love it because it sums up what I have learned by experience over my several decades of ministry within the church in the United States of America, yet it was uttered in Palestine around A.D. 26 or so. But for 2,000 years, every time the Word of God is heard, this parable is being lived out, and our Lord's wisdom is being proved over and over again. So I guess I also love this parable because I, I really feel the importance of it. It has a, a vital relevance to it. And, you know, you are in it. <laughs> you are. Uh, you can be placed somewhere 
between verse 11 and verse 15. J.C. Ryle writes this, it is a parable of universal application. The things it relates are continually going on in every congregation to which the gospel is preached. The four kinds of hearts it describes are to be found in every assembly which hears the word. Our Lord, that's the end quote there, our Lord saw to it uh, that all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, included this, this parable uh, which uh, can only be said about a few things that our Lord had to say to us. Beyond this, we read in verse 8, as he said these things, he would call out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. As he spoke, he would call out. It was continual calling out. And you wonder how many times in the course of his message he actually said it. In the Gospels, Jesus only said this about three times other than this particular passage. But Luke indicates that in this case, he did it repeatedly. So what's the point of saying something like that? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Why would you say that? Well, I think of uh, two possible reasons. One is that he is drawing attention to his words. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is something you do not want to miss. If you're tuned out, tune in. If you're distracted, pause and hear. <laughs> he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So today, uh, today we have time for an introduction to our parable, and, and uh, maybe verse 12 and soil number 1. We'll, we'll hopefully maybe get to that. But, but let's, let's get to it. As we do it, I want you to help me today, uh, because uh, sometimes I'm, I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to pause and say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But you're going to help me. Please help me. I'm going to say, he who, and then you say, has ears to hear. He who, and then together we'll say, let him hear. Let's try that again. He who, let him hear. Very good. All right, verse 4. When a large crowd was coming together, and those from various cities were journeying to him. So Jesus spoke to a large and diverse audience, a great multitude. Jesus, he was popular at this time. And, and maybe the crowd itself prompted the Lord to tell this story. For the problem of bad soil becomes worse when religion is popular. Uh, there's not so many phonies when uh, the number of the saints are few and persecution has been ramped up and is strong when it's difficult and troubling to be a believer and a follower of Jesus. Maybe not so many who are, who are in the church but not good soil, but here in our story there's a great crowd and the other gospels tell us it took place at the seashore and so great was the crowd that in order to get away from them so that everybody could get a visual connection with him and he could be heard, he went out on a little boat out into the water and from that place he taught them using an image that would have been quite familiar to all of his hearers, if not to us. He said in verse 5, the sower went out to sow his seed. So here goes a man with a large bag of seed to scatter it in hope of obtaining a crop. The sower... Does not, he doesn't have time to poke 
a hole in the ground and insert each seed individually. Uh, so he scatters the seed as he goes about his work. And so the result is in verse 5, as he sowed, some fell beside the road. Now, the road probably refers to the path that the farmers left between the rows of their crops. The sowers and the reapers would walk along the paths as they worked, and the ground there would naturally get packed in and become quite hard like a road. So certainly some seed would fall out of his hand onto that path, that hard path. Other seed which he threw, we read, fell on the different soils, the rocky soil and the thorny soil and the good soil. Uh, this really is not all that unfamiliar to us. I think you get the picture Jesus presents. So let's move on to look at the parallels between the parable and the interpretation. In verse 11, he says, the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So if the seed is the word of God, the sower obviously is someone who dispenses the word, who announces, who teaches the word of God. It could be me, it could be you, it could be Jesus himself. The seed is in itself good. It is the word of God. But notice that the seed itself does not guarantee that there will ever be any fruit. A person may be faithful in sowing good seed by preaching the true gospel, but if the soil is not right, there will never be a crop. And here we begin to get to the real point that he's making in this parable. It is usually called the parable of the sower, but the sower really is not that important. The real lesson comes in the description of the four soils. We, we really learn nothing here about the sower or about how the seed was sown. The seed is only identified for what it is, but the soils are described in relative detail. Jesus presents, uh, presents us with the case history, as it were, of the four soils, the four seeds, but the seeds were all identical. What differed was the soil into which they fell. Now, what is the soil, what does the ground represent? Verse 12, those beside the road are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. In verse 5, Jesus said the birds took the seed that was sown that landed on the road. Verse 12 says that Satan took it from their heart. So what is the soil? The soil represents the heart of a man or a woman. Matthew's gospel makes this even more clear. The soil with which the seed comes into contact parallels the human heart as it encounters the Word of God. And there are four types of soils or hearts that are described here. There is the heart that is like a road. It is packed in. It is hardened. Then there is the rocky soil and the thorny soil and the good soil, and from there on we shall refer to these as roady, rocky, thorny, and goody, okay? Roady has an unresponsive heart, rocky has an impulsive heart, thorny has a cluttered heart, and then of course, goody has a pure heart. These are the major elements of the parable. Now we're ready to see what is the major idea and point of the parable. He who, <laughs> let him hear. The point of the parable is that the state of the soil determines the fate of the seed. 
The state of the soil determines the fate of the seed, which, when interpreted by Christ, means that the state of your heart will determine your response to the Word of God. So what Jesus describes by the four soils, they are four types of human hearts. The focus of the parable is really on the soils and the hearts. That's the emphasis. And so this too must be our emphasis. Jesus here does what may be termed heart surgery. He shows us the root, the heart problems that keep many of us from God. Every one of you here has a heart condition. It may be roady, it may be rocky, it may be thorny, it may be goody, but you have a heart condition which will determine the fate of God's Word in your soul. This is your fate is also determined by this forever. And so as I often say, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And so I urge you to listen up, open up, and let the divine physician display, as it were, on a screen before you the state of your heart this morning. The major idea of the parable is that the state of the soil determines the fate of the seed. Now then, having seen the major elements and the major idea of our parable, let's look now at the major event in verse 5. The sower went out to sow the seed. Or the preacher went out to preach the gospel. And what happened? The seed hit some soil. The Word of God hit some hearts. The major event of the parable then is the preaching of the gospel, or more accurately, in the encounter of human hearts with God's Word. The soil never comes in contact with the sower, only the seed. And what counts in your life is not how you respond to any particular preacher. It doesn't matter if you like me as a preacher or don't. God's concern, my concern as well, is what you do with the seed that is sown. The encounter of the soil with the seed is with the seed, not, not with the sower. Do you see that? Whenever the sower may, or wherever the, whomever the sower may be, when you hear the Word of God coming from the lips of a servant of God, that is a critical moment in your life. That is an hour of decision, not to decide about the merits of the sower, but to decide what you're going to do with the seed. How will you respond to the Word of God? That is the critical issue. That is the event which reveals the state of your heart. And oh, my dear ones, the importance of your response when you encounter the Word of God, that cannot be overstated. One author has written this, the true history of any man or woman is but a transcript of his heart's response to the Word of God. Listen to that again. The true history of any man or woman is but a transcript of his heart's response to the Word of God. It affects all of life, every corner of it, every day of it, and beyond this, it affects your eternity. Heaven and hell will be an eternal commentary on what happened when the Word of God hit your heart. This is why I take my role in this matter very seriously. Every time the word is preached, I'm aware that eternal issues hang in the balance. Every time you are confronted with the word of God, the state of your heart is going to be manifest. Do you receive that word in a good heart or do you receive it in a hardened heart or an impulsive heart or a cluttered heart? May God help you to know 
May God help you to know yourself even today while there is still time to change. The major event of the parable is the encounter of God's Word with the human heart. What happened? What is happening? What will happen in your heart? So we do have time today to look at the first of the four soils. We'll be taking uh, the next several Sundays to cover the rest of them. First of the gospel hearers, the roadside here, whom we may call Rhodey, verse 5. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Verse 12 gives us the interpretation. Those beside the road are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. So the first thing to notice about this person is that he is one who does hear. All the soils mentioned in our passage are touched by the seed. So we're not, we're not dealing with some tribesman in a different corner of the world who never hears the gospel of Jesus. Rhodey hears, but unlike the other three described in our text, this man never in any way embraces the truth. He considers the gospel foolish and irrelevant and incomprehensible. Whatever the reason, the Word of God has no effect on him at all. Rhodey never latches on mentally. In fact, in Matthew, he indicates that Rhodey never understands the message. Now, certainly, you know people like that, people to whom the gospel seems to make no sense at all, no more sense than a square circle. The seed that lands here is short-lived. Verse 5 says the birds come and they snatch it up. And verse 12 indicates that the birds represent, who do the birds represent? The devil who comes and takes away the word from the heart. The devil would like to keep the seed from the heart altogether, but if he fails to do that, his next ploy is to keep it out of the heart. The word of God does no good at all if it hits the ears of a person only. Satan's real concern is to keep it out of your heart. Now, now we aren't told much about the reasons why Rhodey does not embrace the message of Christ, except this one reason he is under Satan's influence. That's what it says. Verse 12 tells us that. He's under Satan's influence. Verse 12 tells us also about the work of Satan. Now, if you were to ask a uh, roadside hearer why he had no response to the gospel, you wouldn't hear that, but he may say many different things. He may say, oh, I'm not interested in religion. That stuff's fine for some people, but not, not for me. He may say, bah, humbug, the Bible, is, it's just full of myths and fables. Modern science has proven that that's all a, a bunch of baloney. That's how Rhodey may explain his reaction. But Jesus says his reaction is actually due to satanic influence. You see, your skeptical partner at work may think he is too wise and too sophisticated for the gospel, but Christ says he is actually a dupe of the devil. Now, he wouldn't like to hear that, and I'm not necessarily suggesting you tell him that, <laughs> but Jesus tells us it's true. Quickly then, let's see a couple of things about Satan we find in our parable. First is the concern of Satan, the concern of Satan. What does Satan want to happen here? The answer is found at the end of verse 12. Satan does not want Rhodey to believe and be saved. That's it. 
He won't mind if Rhodey joins the church. He won't mind if Rhodey takes the sacraments or donates money to United Way. But he does not want Rhodey believing the Word of God because that results in what is called here salvation. Satan's efforts then lead to unbelief and therefore to eternal death. Where there is unbelief, you know that Satan is having his way. His concern is to prevent life, to prevent faith, to secure unbelief, and therefore death. Now look at the work of Satan. We've seen his concern, so what does he do? Verse 12 says he snatches the seed away. Maybe he does this by working to distract his hearers, or the hearer of the message. Satan loves to use all kinds of things to keep folks from engaging God's word to them. J.C. Ryle says, From him come wandering thoughts, roving imaginations, listless minds, dull memories, sleepy eyes, fidgety nerves, weary ears, distracted attention. In all these things, Satan has a great hand. People wonder where they come from, marvel how it is that they find sermons so dull and remember them so badly. They forget the parable of the sower. They forget the devil, In quote. So when you drive home from church today uh, and you're thinking, you're thinking about this message that you heard and you see some McDonald's billboard that catches your eye and your mind and you start thinking about two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Even then, Satan is at work. Satan can use a, a late Saturday movie. He can use a fidgety child. He can use worries about dinner. All of that to achieve his goal. Jesus is saying, hearer, beware, lest that seed, which is your only hope of life, is snatched away, eaten by the birds of hell. The other work of Satan, besides distracting, is blinding. You might also say he makes people deaf. Deaf, blind, insensible, that's the point. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, Since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul says, I have been a true sower, and my seed is pure. It is unadulterated. It is undiluted truth. Verse 3, he says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. So if the truth of the gospel is not perceived, if it is not understood, if it is veiled, Those to whom it is veiled are in the category of the perishing. Verse 4, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. That's spectacular. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Okay, they think they're smart. They think they're wise, but we read that in fact they are blind, they are victims of a devilish deceit. But there still remains another point to be seen. Now you may ask, uh, what is the difference between Rhodey and Goody in our parable? Why couldn't the devil snatch the word that was sown in the good soil 
I mean, he would have if he could have. Why couldn't he? Goody, it says, heard the word in an honest and a good heart. What kind of heart did Rhodey have? Well, it, it doesn't say exactly, but it is described as being like the road. Goody had moist, soft soil into which the seed sank. Rhodey soil, dry and hard, that's the difference. The only way Satan can snatch away the seed is when it lands on a hardened heart. 2 Corinthians 3.14, speaking, or 4.14, speaking of unbelieving Jews, or 3.14 it is. Uh, speaking of unbelieving Jews, it says their minds were hardened. Their minds were hardened, for until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. Whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. But verse 14 says their, their minds were, were hardened. Why? Hard, crusty, completely unresponsive. This is Rhodey. Is this you? Do, you? do you have a hard, dull, and sensitive heart of unbelief? I, I hope some of you are saying in all honesty, yes, pastor, you know, that, that's, that's me. I admit it. But what can I do about it? What, what does hardened soil need? What is hard, hardened soil? You think about that. What does it need? Years back, uh, my, my office was on a dirt road, or at least I had to travel the dirt road to get to it. And, and, you know, when it rains, the bumps appear all over a dirt road, and that dirt road becomes a bad road. So back then, the city would send out, I noticed, when it, when it rained, the city would send out two machines, not one but two. The first machine would go on the dirt road and dig up the turf and break it up, and the second machine comes in and smooths it all over again. The second machine can do nothing until the soil has first been broken up. That must happen first, and in the same way, the gospel will never smooth your life out till your heart is broken. That is what you need, Mr. Hard Heart. For such as you, I pray God would send disaster and pain, at something at least that would break through and get your attention. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, if you find yourself in a hospital room or a jail cell, you'll listen to God. Maybe in time of desperation or weakness and a broken heart, you'll turn to God. And this I know, 2 Corinthians 3.16, again, whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Who put, that, who put up that veil? The devil did that. But when a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. You can see clearly now the rain is gone. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty from the powers of evil, liberty from your old sinful self, for the Holy Spirit of God is mightier than the devil. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. He is like those machines on the road. He convicts us of sin. He breaks up the hard soil, and he smooths it out by revealing Christ and granting saving faith. So you roadies among us today, for you I pray that God's Spirit would do His mighty work. Will you pray that? 
Will you pray with me? Will you make sure that you keep hearing the word so that there's hope? Will you turn to the Lord and be a roadside hearer no more? Hebrews 3.15 speaks this word to you. Today, if you harden his voice, or today, if you hear his voice, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He who, let him hear.